Happy Easter, church. Yes. Well, look, every year, planet Earth does this full circle around the sun. Uh, And this event, we quantify, don't we, in uh, years and months, weeks, days, hours, minutes, and seconds. And in terms of weeks, there are 52 of them every year, but none of the weeks of all of the year, of all of our calendars, is as significant as this week. If you're an apprentice of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus here today, this is the week of all weeks. Our Holy Week is the centerpiece of of why we do what we do, why we talk the way we talk, why the way we walk the way we walk. Everything that we do is because of what Jesus has done at Easter. Easter is this divine reminder of what life is all about. And it's not just a divine reminder about what life is all about. It's a divine reminder of who life is all about. Easter is the pinnacle of this word hope. Easter is the fuel, the petrol, the kerosene, if you like, for the human soul to keep going. See, the the church that the sons and daughters of God have put their hope in Jesus. See, on Friday, Jesus, this innocent man, was murdered for our sin. He went to the grave. By Saturday, people were calling him a fraud. They were saying, it's all over. It's finished. And then they woke up on Sunday, and there was nobody in the grave. Yeah. Jesus cemented for us this word hope. Why? Because he's alive. And as long as he's alive, and as long as we hope in him, we have life now and forever. This is what Easter is all about. Now, many of you already know this, but I love sport. I've always loved sport. Football, snooker, golf, squash, badminton. I've played loads of sports over the years. I still love to play golf. I still love to play pool. And I've tasted the beauty of victory winning League Cups and finals and uh, my claim to fame, and I'll take autographs afterwards, is I still am the top goal scorer in the Christian League, would you believe? I am. Seven years after hanging my boots up, but there we go. So I've tasted the beauty of victory, but I've also tasted the agony of defeat. I know what it's like to lose. I've been on the winning team and I've been on the losing team. I've experienced both as most of you here will have experienced as well. But what I know about us humans is that we're not designed to lose. That's why we love competition. We love being on the winning team because we weren't designed to lose. However, in Jesus, the ultimate victory, the victory of all victories has already been won. Because of Jesus' victory over sin and evil and death, we can all live from a place of real victory, freedom, and hope in the midst of of a world of pain and suffering. And honestly, that is simply the best news you will ever hear living on planet Earth. You can whoop all you want. It's Easter Sunday. (laughs) Now, if you believe in the resurrection, if you are a follower of Jesus here today, 
One of the things that we have to try and get our heads around is this beautiful verse in Romans. See, because of Easter, because of the resurrection, Romans 8 verse 11 says this. The Spirit of God, coastline vineyard, that literally raised Jesus from the dead, listen to this, lives in you. If you're an apprentice of Jesus here today, if you've received his saving grace through faith, if you're born again believer, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And because of that, we should all be eternal optimists. Church, do you really know the potential that is living on the inside of you? We have got a power in us that literally has the capacity to raise a human being from the dead. Do you believe that today? We have this free gift that's been given to us by God's sovereign, powerful, authoritative Holy Spirit. And because of that, we can dream big. We can live from a place of hope because we have resurrection power running through our veins. The challenge is, we have resurrection power in us, but all of us still have to go through this cycle of some really good days and some really tough days. It's inevitable. Jesus told us, didn't he? In this world, you will have trouble. But he's a God of hope, so he doesn't just leave it there. He says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take Heart, for I have overcome the world. John 16, 33. We can face the troubled days, the tough days, and take heart. Why? Because of the resurrection. Because we have real, certain, unshakable hope in the midst of trouble. This is the hope that we find in Jesus. See, did you know this? Most of you do know this. Human beings were designed from the beginning, from right at the beginning of time, to live for eternity. At the deepest parts of who we are, the deepest recesses of our bodies, of our minds, and of our spirits, we cry out for eternity whether we realize it or not. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says it like this. It says, he, that's God, has also set eternity in the human Other versions say, in the hearts of mankind. That's all men and all women, sinners and saints alike. Everyone on planet Earth is born into a world with eternity in their hearts. The biggest problem all of humanity faces is that we live with eternity in our hearts, but we're currently bound by time and space. And this dilemma really messes with the human race. The world says, live for the here and now. Do do whatever you want, whatever feels right or makes you feel good. You've only got one life. Grasp onto any part or every part of all that this world has to offer. Often the rhetoric in our culture leans towards us being the victim rather than being the victor leading people away from eternity, hope, and resurrection life towards a never-ending sense of hopelessness. 
We are creatures that were, bound, that were created for eternity, but we're bound by time and space. And the thing is, if we don't know what to do with this tension, this tension can destroy us. My conviction is that all of the world's dysfunction, all of the evil, all of our poorest decisions are birthed out of the fact that we can never really live fully satisfied on this side of eternity. Think about it. Think of the lengths that each one of you have gone to to, you know, this is a silly example, just get that special thing that you've always wanted. Could be a new car, could be a new house, could be whatever. And you put all of your hope in this thing and this thing and then you get it. You've had it for a period of time, and then you're bored with it, and you want something. There's this longing in you all the time for more, because we were actually created and meant for something so much greater than we can currently display. Now, what I want to do with the rest of the time we have together this morning is simply talk about the solution to the tension, Because the only solution for this tension is simply this word, resurrection. Today, Easter 2022, I want us to look at a couple of passages from the book of Isaiah. The first one is in Isaiah 61. If you're not familiar with this, Isaiah is a prophet. He is prophesying about what Jesus is going to be like, what his heart is for us, and what he wants to do through us. As we look at this, Jesus came, remember, for those that have made mistakes, those that have made bad choices, sometimes over and over again. People that are currently bound by time and space. And Jesus himself enters into time and space so that he can understand what it's like to be us. And not just to understand what it's like to be us, but to bring us hope for this frustration. See, right now, even though we're born for eternity, there are limits on us. Jesus came to destroy those limits by putting his power on the inside of us. Now, just before we get into this passage, remember here that Isaiah is talking about Jesus 700 years before Jesus was born. And what I want to say here is, if you're not a Christian here today... Uh, Maybe you've been dragged here by a friend. Whatever you've heard about God before, whether that's for your friend, whether that's by a preacher, whether that's, you know, through the TV or whatever, uh, why don't you just park all of that for just for one moment and just allow God's word to talk to you and to clearly describe who he is. Would you do that with me? Right, here we go. Isaiah 61, he prophesied this. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Jesus, because the Lord has anointed me, Jesus, to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives. This is what God wants for us, release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. He wants us to comfort all who mourn. We serve a comforter. He wants us to provide for those who grieve in Zion. We serve a provider. He wants us to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. He's a bestower. The oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise. I love this. A garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. 
Why? That we might be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Did you hear the characteristics of our God? He came to proclaim good news to the poor. You say, well, who is, who's the poor, John? Everyone on planet Earth. The Bible says that every one of us on planet Earth have sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And Jesus came to proclaim that we can be forgiven and redeemed and resurrected back to the glory of God through this free gift of forgiveness that he won for us on the cross. A gift we don't deserve, a gift we cannot earn. See, Jesus' ultimate purpose, and this is going to mess with some people here today or some of you watching online. See, the ultimate purpose of Jesus is to do this beautiful, redemptive work in our lives that we may display the glory of God. See, the resurrection is about bringing us back to God's original intent and his ultimate purpose, which is actually not about us. And that might sound a bit harsh, but it should be liberating and relieve us. Because we were never meant to be fixated and focused on ourselves. The ultimate purpose of God is that we would receive his forgiveness, his redemptive work for us, and end up displaying the splendor of the glory of God. Now, if you're here today, or you're watching this back online, you might be sitting there saying, yeah, this all sounds really nice, John, for your little Easter message. But if you knew what I'd done, if God knew what I'd done, he couldn't. He wouldn't forgive someone like me. Well, let me tell you, he absolutely does. God wants to give you a new story and display his splendor through your life, depositing his Holy Spirit resurrection power on the inside of you. See, when he's in us, he uses us for his plan and purpose. We hear this from verse four. Listen to this. Listen to these re-words. They, that's us, will rebuild the ancient ruins. We will restore places long devastated. We will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. This isn't what Jesus is gonna do. This is what he's gonna empower us to do for the world. And Sally, we don't have time to read this whole chapter, but this whole chapter talks about just how good he is, how merciful he is, how kind he is, how he imparts resurrection power on us, in us, to rebuild, restore, renew us, yeah, for sure, but also to rebuild and restore and renew this broken world. This is how God extends his kingdom across the earth. I hear you say, yeah, okay, John, but you said earlier that, that forgiveness, this, this gift of God in, that Jesus won on the cross, like exactly how did that happen? Well, let's read it. Isaiah 53, remember again, 700 years, Isaiah is saying this, before Jesus was alive. And, and as I read this, please understand that Jesus' motivating factor for all of this was his love for you and for me. Isaiah 53 verse five, but he, 
Jesus was pierced for our transgressions, our rebellion to God's holy ways. He was crushed for our iniquities, for our sin. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, coastline, vineyard, we are healed. We all like sheep. All of us in this room, all of you watching online, we've gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of all of us. He, Jesus, was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before the shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he, Jesus, was taken away. Yet who of this generation protested? He was cut off from the land of the living for the transgressions of my people. He was punished for John, for Alice, for Sarah, for Beth, for for all of us. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, and then we're just going to scroll down to the end of verse 12. It says, For he bore the sin of many and made intercession. He made a way for the transgressors for all of us. Please hear this correctly. God did not come to punish the sinner God came to punish sin. And because we are carriers of sin, God had to do something to keep us in good standing and right relationship with him, whilst at the same time bring justice for sin. Because our God is holy and he can't even look upon sin. We could never be in full eternal relationship with him if something wasn't done about sin. Because all of us, all of us have gone astray. Another passage in Isaiah says that not one of us is righteous. Not one of us qualify in our own selves, in our own goodness. God loves us so much. And don't let any church leader, pastor, anyone else tell you, he loves us so much, even on our worst day of rebellion. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5 verse 8. See, faith in Jesus is the solution to the tension of having eternity in our hearts and being bound by time and space. God who made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, for you and for me, so that we might become the righteousness of God. God's like, I'm going to give to John what Jesus deserves, and I'm going to give to Jesus what John deserves. It's nuts. It's scandalous. It's outrageous. It's his amazing grace. But this is how much he loves us, that he would go to this kind of length to redeem us, to restore us, and to resurrect us back to new life, to bring us back into right relationship with him. We were created for eternity but we're bound by time and space. The fact of the matter is that because of what Jesus has done for us, we should be compelled to share this good news with others. See, the purpose of resurrection isn't just for us. The purpose of resurrection is replication. 
It's discipleship. This isn't just about us getting right with God, as amazing as that is. It's to rebuild and restore and renew brokenness in others. To renew cities long devastated. Bournemouth, this country, this world. Because when we do that, we live out what we actually read about there in Isaiah 61. That we would be a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Now, there's nothing on this Easter Sunday that would please the heart of God more than when he restores and redeems and resurrects another human life. When he takes someone, not just being an image bearer, do you know we are all bearers of God's image, but he wants to take us from being image bearers to becoming sons and daughters. And there's only one way that that can happen. If you've never received this free gift of forgiveness that Jesus offers through the cross, if you don't know what it's like to have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead living in you, in a moment, you're going to get a chance to. See, I believe that God brought you here today, or you watching this online now or in the future, to show you the truth to proclaim through the Holy Spirit the good news of Jesus so that he can start this new work in you, so that he can start to bind up your broken heart, so that he can start to provide for you, so that he can start to bestow on you a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the the oil of joy instead of mourning, so that you could walk out of here with a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair so that you can walk out of here oak-like in stature and confidence. He wants to save your soul. But here's the thing. The first thing we have to do is make peace with the fact that you're a sinner, that all of us, every one of us have gone astray. We've, We've turned our backs on God. And I know on the surface that that sounds like really bad news, and it would be if we didn't have such an incredible Savior. Isaiah proclaimed the year of the Lord's favor in this passage, but he also declared the day of vengeance of our God. Please understand this, church. God did not come to bring vengeance to humans. He came to bring vengeance to sin and evil and overcome the curse of death. See, God puts all of his vengeance for our sin on his son so that he could give us, his future son and daughter, nothing but pure, unconditional grace and mercy. But because we are carriers of sin, we have a part to play. And the only part we have to play is to acknowledge that we are sinners in need of a savior. That there is this barrier between us and God. I'm a sinner. I'm in need of this free gift of grace and mercy. And listen to me. You can't earn this gift. You'll never be good enough to earn this gift. Goodness doesn't make you right before a holy God. Only what Jesus has done for you on the cross makes you right with God. And I believe Jesus has brought you here today that by faith you would receive his free gift of forgiveness, that he would deposit in you today resurrection power. 
Jesus wants to rebuild and restore and renew your life and use you to extend his kingdom on earth, which I've been doing for the last nearly 20 years, and it's been the most profound adventure I have ever been on. See, putting our faith in Jesus and following him is where the limits of being bound by time and space go, and eternity becomes real now and forever. That's where we find real life and wholeness and purpose and where fullness of life actually starts. Amen? Amen.